Burnout. He is ESPN and the SEC Network's Peter Burns. I am Ryan Brown. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign in at MyBookie.ag. Get that uh, sign-on bonus. You make your initial deposit. They give you a bonus up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Burnsy, what is up, my friend? How are you? I'm doing well. Evidently, I'm drinking out of a uh, uh, the, the high school kids cup. Is that yep. what you called it earlier? Yep. Stanley Cup. Well, I mean, uh, oh, SEC Network logoed. Very nice. Thank you. Was that Thank the Christmas you. bonus this year? Yeah, that's that's all we got. But um, I'm, I'm still employed as of, that's right. uh, as of the taping of this, and I can drink water out of a Stanley Cup that they gave me for free. Like no. they still don't have any idea how many uh, how many like boxes of pins I've stolen over the last right. decade. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, small things you know like people get busted when they steal really big things like embezzle all these funds like i take like boxes of paper clips and right. like uh really solid time. pins just yeah. a little bit you know that's right. so yeah fly under the radar ahead. yeah that's the way to do it fly under the radar uh no it's not just my college freshman daughter that has a stanley cup my wife does too so i mean it's not you know there it's it not just like you know 20 something girls that you're 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 you know you're imaging there that you're mirroring it's yeah. it's also southern women so no 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 don't don't feel like you're just you know you're you're pigeonholed into one group there uh i'm secure enough to say that i will uh I, the water tastes even better out of it it's it's okay. unbelievable right like we're literally talking about cups of water like I a know. little a glass and then all of a sudden they'll sell these things for like 60 dollars. and then yep. what's so stupid is i see people with it i'm like this is the dumbest thing ever then i drink water out of it and like somehow i'm like Man, that water seems that much more refreshing out of it. I don't go, what the hell? One of the greatest business models of all time to me was Yeti coolers. They took a cooler and made it a status symbol. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. It's a cooler. I know it's a good cooler. Like they tell me the ice won't melt for a week, though I am never in a situation where I need ice for an entire week not to melt. But I mean, that's a, yeah. I'm sure it doesn't. But I mean, they made it a status symbol. Like people put stickers on their cars with Yeti on it. I'm like, it's a, it's a cooler. It's a marketing thing. I mean, literally, I we're starting. We've got Bama, Michigan. We've got Nick Saban's coaching career. We got Ole Miss uh, basically signing every single one of the Infinity Stones, right? And we're literally talking at the beginning of this about like $65 water cups. Like, it's a marketing, it's, it's marketing it's genius. It's wild. I love it. All right, let's get to Bama and Michigan. You and I will not have another chance to catch up before this game. As we talk right now, Alabama, one and a half point underdog at mybookie.ag, a very low total in this game. I personally, and I've said this many times on our show, like this spot for Alabama. I think they're the more tested team. I don't think Michigan has seen a player like Jalen Milrow, but I'm curious as to how you feel about this game as we are less than a week away now. Yeah, I'm trying to extract you know, myself from the – I'm always covering the SEC. I'm always right. watching every single snap from Alabama, right? Because – because living in that world is anchored the SEC network. I'm like, it's SEC. Like, well, come on, what are we thinking about? It's it's the it's versus the Big Ten. I think Michigan is fairly decent. But then I start trying to dive in a little bit further on this, and I start thinking about what's more important: Jalen Milrow having that big of a day against Michigan, which obviously is big, or the the kind of unknown of J.J. McCarthy. Like it feels like J.J. McCarthy at the beginning of the season was looked at as a Heisman Trophy guy, is looked at as a dynamic passer, uh, a dynamic guy with his with his legs. But then again, at any point, did we really see him, Brownie, over the last month of the season? And, and, and I'm trying to figure out and swear away with that, is that more of that they didn't trust J.J. McCarthy or the fact of it was like, listen, Harbaugh's not here. We're going to just play this thing and out-muscle every single person that we can. 
and play Big Ten football. And that, that that's where I struggle to figure out. But I guess I think not Milrow, but I think McCarthy is by far the most important person in this matchup coming up uh, in, in, for the playoffs. Well, and I'm not saying that running it every single play of the second half against Penn State wasn't the right thing to do. I'm not making that argument. They could do that and win the game. It I'm worked. Just saying yeah. It worked. And there's no doubt it worked. I'm just saying it's something we're not accustomed to seeing. Like, I think there are probably times Nick Saban knows I could line up and run it every play of the second half and win this game. It's not going to be pretty, but I could do it. But he doesn't do that. Kirby Smart doesn't do yeah. that. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. They, Sarkeesian. Ryan Kelly, yeah. they, they don't do that. Even if they know they could, they're still more balanced. We're just – I'm not saying it was a bad strategy. I'm just saying we're just not used to seeing that happen. It seems so odd to watch it play out like that. Yeah, because you think everybody wants to be dynamic, right, and, right, right. and multiple and, and be able to say, hey, we put a lot of stuff on tape. But honestly, all season long, it seems like Michigan has been pretty upfront with what they're going to provide to you is that we're going to play line of scrimmage, bully ball. We're going to do what Alabama used to do to people back in the mid you know, uh, 2010s and just say, listen, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run it. If you can stop us, you're a better team than us. And it's like almost this kind of bully mentality that that honestly has served them fairly well. You know, remember going back to Michigan a couple of years ago, they kept getting beat by Ohio State. And every single offseason, it was like, well, I mean, Harbaugh's the most overrated coach in the history of the game, right? How many times is he going to lose to Ohio State? And then all of a sudden, it's like, all right, well, they shifted the mentality, which was we're going to beat Ohio State every single day. Like, well, no matter what it is, on February, on January, or, or June, whatever the play, it's how do we outmuscle Ohio State? And it's worked. I just don't know if you can be one-dimensional and ever beat a Nick Saban team. I mean, we go back and look at it. When Saban has over three weeks to prepare, the record in openers and playoff games is out of control. I think it's like 11-1, and one, and yeah. the only one loss they had was back in 2014 against Cardell Jones and a team that ultimately went, went on to win the national championship. Like, how do you give Saban in his legion of of 75 former head coaches that are on his staff an opportunity to look at every single play and not develop a game plan? I, I just I, I, I'm trying to not pick Alabama in this game. I swear to God. And every time I look at it, I go, well, where does Michigan have the advantage? I just I don't see where where it stands out at any point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I. I just I don't think they faced an offense quite like Alabama's. I don't know they faced uh, pretty good offenses. Ohio State's got a good offense, obviously. Ryan Day knows what he's doing. You know, Maryland at times has a good offense, but boy, once you get past those two, you're like, where are the offenses they faced? Um, yeah. It's just I, I you know I'm kind of torn. Like I credit Jim Harbaugh. UNLV UNLV was the best offense. You're right. It's, it's the third faced best. all year long, and they were fiftieth. Yep. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's the yep. third best. And, and you know, the one thing that jumps out at me, it's a stat I cannot get past on this game. Well, there are a couple. Number one, that Michigan's only turned it over three times in the last 10 games, I think is the stat, which, you know, looks some of that would be opponent, but a lot of that's you. And, I mean, that is a very impressive stat. But the one that is hard for me to get past is Michigan is number one in the country in pass defense. Six of their 12 regular season opponents and uh, six of their 12 regular season opponents, excuse me, finished uh, in the 100 or worse, in the bottom 30, basically, in pass offense. Yeah. So is that a real stat or is that a, right. an opposition stat, you know? that that That's like saying, hey, you know what? LSU had a really good run defense because yeah. everybody was passing on, 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 on LSU defense this yeah. year. So the stats yeah. can lie to a certain extent. Now, they haven't found anybody that nearly is as dynamic as, as Jalen Milrow. Okay. And 
and, and the odd part about it is it's almost feels like the non-scripted plays are what's going to be the difference between this game. Like, you know, I, I think, I think the Michigan defense is, is legit. I think that they can get some, some, some pass, um, uh, some pass rush over on, on, on Bama. But the problem is, is that if you've got three weeks to prepare, how is Tommy Reese coming up with any kind of game plan that's going to force Jalen Milrow to sit in the pocket? Like he tried to do that the first three weeks. He learned that lesson and then he completely retooled the offense. And then even if it, even if it becomes a situation where Michigan is able to stop them a little bit um, and even put up some points, think about the track meets that Alabama has been a part of already, right? They were able to take down a highly efficient offense in Georgia. They're able to take down Tennessee. They're able to take it down Ole Miss. They took down um, uh, LSU. Like they're they're battle tested at this point. And yeah. again, I, I I just keep looking for that way to to not be the complete SEC homer, and I sure as hell can't find it. Well, but in 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 those games, they've done it different ways. Like in the LSU game, it was like this is going to be a track meet. You're going to have you're not going to slow LSU down. You're going to have to outscore them. And Alabama's like, okay, you know, we can okay. Play that game. Yeah, and then against Georgia, it's going to be like, this is going to be a bloody nose game. This is going to be line up and dominate at the line of scrimmage and win the game. Like, okay, we can do that. And I'm not saying Michigan hasn't had to do that either. It just it seems like you, you don't have as big an extreme uh, on your schedule as beating LSU and beating Georgia. That's two pretty big extremes on the way you have to beat a football team. So I always think a big game is one in which there's legitimately a debate on if you win the coin toss what do you do? Right. And normally, I, I, and I don't know, you probably know this number better than I do, but I would imagine Saban traditionally likes to defer to the he second does. half. Yep. Very NFL-like. Him, yep. Yeah, very NFL-like for him because he can determine, hey, listen, we can hold the ball for five minutes at the end of the second half, and then we're also going to get the ball in the second half to start right. the momentum, which, which obviously is the MO. But to me, I look at this and I go, man, if there was ever a week in which I kind of wish that he would take the ball first and just – absolutely crush them right off the bat it is in this game because I do feel like if all of a sudden Alabama you know starts off fairly decent they get a 10 nothing lead it's it's a wrap I don't see Michigan be able to play from farther behind than that they're a team in which they 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 imposed their will early they tried to muck it up they're going to play field position in this war of attrition back and forth but overall they're going to kind of out roster and out physical you I don't know if Alabama wants to get into that fight with Michigan I think they want to be as dynamic as possible, spread it out as much as possible, because how much of a spread offense, if anything, has Michigan faced That's this right. year? Yeah. Not 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 a thing. I mean, this is almost I look at the spread concepts that that Sark uses, that Lane uses and go, I've got better athletes, top end athletes than Michigan probably does. And if we've tried to fight them in a phone booth. Well, I'm playing their style of battle. And I would imagine Tommy Reese and, 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 and Saban have realized that, and that's why you'll see a lot of no-huddle tempo, a lot of spread uh, in this game right from the jump. This is The Burnout with Peter Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Get that uh, bonus when you sign on. Make your first deposit. They give you a bonus up to $1,000 when you use code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag. Excuse me, code next round, mybookie.ag, code next round, with those sneak-up burps right there that you get on occasion. Well, you got to drink out of your Stanley Cup uh, with the money you get from mybookie. I'm just letting you uh, know. Uh, uh, my Dasani's giving me too much oxygen in there, too much oxygen in this water. Uh, mybookie.ag, code next round. Also, our friends at Manscaped, right here in my hand, you will find the handyman. It's great travel razor, compact travel razor. 
from uh, our friends at manscaped.com, but they've got a ton of great products. The Beard Hedger that I use at least three times a week. It's got the dial-up guard so it doesn't stamp off at the wrong time and gap your beard. It's got the lawnmower, which takes care of the full body, including the undercarriage. The Weed Whacker takes care of the nose hair and the ear hair. Great boxer shorts, male body products, and code TNR20. No, code Burns. Code Burns uh, on this right. show is what's going to save you. My bad, Peter. You're, you've got a code. Code Burns is going to save you 20% off your initial order. Code Burns at checkout, 20% off uh, right there at manscaped.com. Um, if Nick Saban can close this deal, could you make an argument this is his best job of winning a national championship? Not his best team, not asking best team. I would just say the job Nick Saban has had to do, could you make an argument this is his best one? It it, it doesn't it, – there, there's no other team that even comes close. I mean, if he does avenge the loss to Texas in the national championship game, if it is, if it is Texas uh, that ends up beating Washington, you look at it and go, what – what stone did you leave unturned, right? Yeah. I'll never forget the the, the scene of Saban kind of just trudging along back to the locker room at halftime of that South Florida game where it's pissing rain, and we're like, oh, wow. dude, this is the end of an era. This is Joe yeah. Pod not knowing that the, the the his headset's not on. Like, this is just – I like – that's honestly – I came out after that week and go, I want Saban to retire because I don't want to see, like, the greatest coach in the history of the game go out like this. And you realize, like, from that standpoint and from that moment on, it was like game on. And I think the most impressive thing that Saban has done is the way that he's adapted inside the season. And I don't mean X's and O's. I think if Jalen Milrow handles the benching against South Florida that way back in 2012 or 2013, Saban probably tells them to get the hell out of here and the season's lost. Yeah. Right, because that was just not the way Saban does it. That's just not the 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 process. That's not what you're supposed to do in college football. And then he would have gone with Buckner and Simpson the rest of the year, and they probably don't figure it out. But I think even Saban understood that how I coach players in 2023 versus how I coach players in 2013 is a is a lot different. And that tells me he still has his fastball right now. He's able to adapt to what the players needed in how basically the perception of players has has changed. Um, and again, I think him not flying off the handle if Milrow didn't handle it correctly or or ideally when he was told that he wasn't going to be starting against South Florida. And that's, that's a credit to how Milrow grew. I think it's a credit to how Saban grew. And it's a reason why they're playing in, in, the, in a quest for the national championship right now. I, I think the one he will never get enough credit for is 2020. Because you know, COVID just made everything so weird. But the way he maneuvered that season, he missed the Iron Bowl. He did not get to coach in the Iron Bowl. Steve sure. was the acting coach. You you won the first ever All SEC schedule, ten games. Then you had to beat Notre Dame and Ohio State in the postseason. Nobody will ever play that type of schedule again. But just to maneuver everything you had to maneuver that year and keep everything between the lines, keep a team on the field. And go undefeated against that schedule with all of that happening around you, I thought was just a masterful coaching job that I think a lot of times just gets discounted because, like, oh, you know, it, it, you you never know who was out yeah. of every game, you know, all those things. It's just like, but that was part of it. Alabama was dealing with the same thing. Yeah, I mean, in in, but I also have an issue with 2020 in for the fact uh, of. I don't know how many of those teams were truly locked in like they normally would yep. versus, yep. hey, listen, man, we've done this forever. 
we got to play football. This is just, we need to go through the motions. And it almost felt like that year, instead of 133 teams or whatever there are in Division One, there were really only 40 teams that, that were like, hey, we're locked in. And even in the SEC, I think there were a couple of teams that were like, hey, man, we're, we're just here so we don't get fined. So I think the 2020 year is always going to be a weird, weird enigma for a, a bunch of different reasons in college football, but the title still is going to, 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 to show up. And um, again, man, can you imagine? I, I mean, I, literally a couple of weeks ago, I was having this conversation that if Kirby beats Saban in the SEC championship game, goes on to win three in a row, I think we're distinctly talking about Kirby Smart will surpass Nick Saban with the amount of national yeah. championships he's ever won. This was a huge hurdle year to get over, and Kirby still wasn't able to do it, and Nick st still got the damn fastball. It's, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Like nothing we've ever seen, obviously. It, uh, it's like, you know what it is? Nick, Nick Saban right now is Peyton Manning at the end of his career with the Denver Broncos. And, and, and the fact of he doesn't do it the same way, right. but he understands the game so well that he's able to adapt to get them by and, and, and this well, is not a team that should have been a college football playoff team at all. And, and what made Manning so great that year was he didn't have Peyton Manning's arm anymore, but he still had Peyton Manning's brain. And he knew, I, I can't make that throw anymore. I got to do it this way. And, I mean, you, you can't replicate Peyton Manning's brain. That, that was one of one right there. It's one of the greatest football minds of all time. But it was a smart enough brain to realize, I don't have the arm I used to have. I can't make that throw. And, yeah. and, and I think there are some similarities there. I mean, Nick Saban's still got great players. This is not to pretend like he doesn't have a great roster. But, I mean, I just think it's – Peyton Manning had to do it differently, so has Nick Saban, and he's embraced that. Yeah. He's yeah. embraced it. And outside of 2020, I feel like when he's won these national championships, though, it was defensive-minded. And I think yeah. ultimately, as much as we talk about Milrow and we talk about Bond and these guys and – I think ultimately if he ends up winning another national championship, it will be because of this defensive front that, that was able to get to Michigan, that was able to get to Quinn Ewers or, or, or Michael Penix. I thought they did a fantastic job against Carson Beck in, in Atlanta. And, and I just – I've never seen a team communicate so well. And, and that, that, that to me still, when I go back and watch the SEC championship game, I remember being out on the sideline and watching Alabama – it almost felt very Connor Stallions-ish, where it's like we know exactly what's about to yeah. happen. I'll never forget there was a there was a die, there was a pitch play, a toss that I remember seeing like a split second. Okay, a guy goes in motion. Alabama linebacker recognizes the formation, the play, the look, and basically tells turns to the rest of the guys and goes, "It's a pitch. It's a pitch." And I'm like, "That's crazy." And sure enough, it was a pitch to that side. They stuffed it for my you know negative two yard loss, and I'm like. That's where it helps having all those analysts yep. and really smart players. Yep. It's great coaching. No doubt about it. The burnout presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round. When you sign on, you make your initial deposit. They match it up to $1,000. And you can play that money right away. It is free. Play with it when once. It is yours and yours forever. Mybookie.ag. Code next round. Mybookie.ag. Code next round. Also, apparel provided by Roback.com. If you are uh, looking to spend some of that Christmas cash, Roback is a great place to do it. Code TNR20 gets you a 20% discount off your initial order at Roback.com. The softest hoodies you will ever put on. The great golf polos, quarter zips, pants, crewnecks, all of that right there at Roback.com. Code TNR20 for 20% off. TNR20 at Roback.com. Uh, are the Rebs gearing up? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Blaine Kiffin did what he did. Who don't they have? I mean, who, I mean, who don't they have right but now? I know now they're getting everybody out of the portal. 
This is already a 10-win team. Um, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I am expecting to be in the college football playoffs next year. Now, you're not alone in that. A lot of fan bases at this conference are, but if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm expected to be there. It is. It would be at this point, outside of an injury, as long as Ole Miss stays healthy coming up next year, they have to be a college football playoff team. Have yeah. to be. Because this is you pushing all your chips in the middle when it comes to recruiting and we're coming to, to the transfer portal and just taking advantage of every single opportunity that NCAA, NIL, transfer portal, like you have perfected it right now. You have to be a college football playoff team. If you are not, combined with that schedule that the SEC gave to them, um, it's going to be looked at as a massive, massive disappointment. And I, and I, you know, Lane Kiffin's always tried to jump job to job because he wanted those championship expectations. Now he has it because of the transfer portal. And you can argue that's, that's great for the game of college football because I don't know if that tier of, of team in which Ole Miss is on the kind of upper mid echelon has ever been a part of those conversations. You know, um, and I don't know, I don't know that Ole Miss players approach it this way, but as a fan, I would look at it this way. Like this new system now of, the way the the uh, divisions are gone and the way the playoff works, like if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I knew if I lost to Alabama or LSU, my chance of getting to Atlanta was over, right? Done. I mean, did you, Done. Either one of those losses probably does me in. I got to beat probably both those teams, definitely one of them to get to Atlanta. Now, if I lose to LSU, and I think that's like week six or seven for them, lose to LSU, mm -hmm. I mean, I hate that loss. It's a, it's a big game. I always want to beat LSU if I'm an Ole Miss fan, but you know what? I'm not done. I still, yeah. Even if I don't make Atlanta, I'm still in the college football playoff. Like I almost feel like it's a new life if I'm a fan of a school like Ole Miss, just because of that. Yeah, I mean, you could look at Missouri right now yeah. being in, in that same boat with drink, playoff, and yeah. I think that they're very similar paths right now that they're using this year as a catapult to future year success. Right at the start of a 12 team playoff, like yeah. I'm a diehard LSU fan. We're going to talk about LSU in 2024 and just here a moment. But I sit there and I go, well, wait a minute. This is LSU. Why, why in the world are we doing nothing but talking about Ole Miss? Why are we? Why every time I see some huge signing, it, they're going to Missouri right now? Like this is LSU coming off of a Heisman Trophy campaign, and you're losing your offensive coordinator, and everybody else seems to be signing these incredible classes, and you're kind of just you're okay, you're fine, you're you're right in the middle. Like that's you know I I think of the brand, and now you're starting to see. Kind of like the NFL too, Brownie. Like, what was it a couple of years ago? Was it Les Snead, the GM of the Rams? I think that might have been, or I might be, I might be getting the name wrong. That basically they were just like, "F the draft picks." Like, oh we're yeah, just we're just going to go... trade for a championship, but they got it. Yeah, and they got it. Like, yeah. this is a this is a college football equivalent of that right now. Is that there's going to be certain teams that are never going to get the five stars over and over and over again? But why can't they just absolutely own free agency? like the Rams did, and, and use it at least to get you to a college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, Missouri is a great example. Like, you take that Missouri loss at Georgia. Now, I know they also lost at home to LSU, but that loss at Georgia eliminated them from Atlanta. You know, if I'm a Missouri fan next year and I walk out of Athens with that loss, I'm not bummed that I'm not going to Atlanta. I'm walking out there thinking, hey, we just went to Athens and played for a lot of the game toe-to-toe -to -toe with Georgia. We got a shot at winning some playoff games. You know, we're, right. we're, we're now a two-loss team. We're right in the middle of this. And if we can go to Athens and play with Georgia, who can we not play with? Yeah, I mean, again, that's why it's going to be interesting to see just big picture. 
what college football is going to feel like come week yep. eight, come week nine, yep. week 10. Because when we expanded the college football playoff, I'm deathly afraid or what had been deathly afraid of going, man, is the Iron Bowl really going to matter that much any longer? Is the Egg Bowl still going to matter that much? Is LSU versus A&M or now LSU-Oklahoma, which will be the last game of the regular season for the Tigers, how much of those games going to matter if you already have one loss? And I, and I don't know that answer, right? Like, I, I in theory, I, I, I go, oh, well, those games won't matter as much, but there's still going to be so much on the line, and we still have this debate about who is four, number five this year. We're still going to have the debate between who's 12 and 13 and yeah. 14 and who the automatic qualifier is. If I'm not mistaken, I think – I don't remember who was 12 and 13 or 13 and 14 on the list this year, but Oklahoma was one of those teams. It might have been Ole Miss as well. So yeah. look at those seasons. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. You could go 9 and 3, but you'd be trending at the right time and still be yeah. in contention out of out of this conference. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt. And and let's let's. You mentioned LSU. Let's wrap up by talking about them. The loss of Mike Dembrock. I, you know, apparently he's Oof. got some sort of affinity for Notre Dame. I just did not think a there was a way Notre Dame was going to outbid LSU for his services. And yeah. it seems like to me, from the outside looking in, just professionally, as at best a lateral move. I would consider it a little bit of a step backwards. Yeah, I mean, listen, money-wise, I would imagine you're going to probably make roughly the same. It's maybe yep. just more of a lifestyle opportunity. And if I'm Denbrock, I look at this and I go, hey, if I, I kind of like it up back up there, I'm more familiar. That's more of my cup of tea. I'm going to get paid the same amount. And here's the deal. I, I'm losing the Heisman Trophy winner and, and their great, great wide receivers. Why would it not be the time just to go back home? Which kind of leads to the bigger question is, all right, well, if Denbrock's making that decision, is Brian Kelly ever going to be in that same decision, right? <laughs> I look at LSU as being, you know, a top five oh. team, a top five uh, program when it's available. If you can win a, a, a title with Ed Ogeron, you can win a title with Les Miles, and, and you can win, there you, um, go. you know, and, and Nick Saban. It goes to show you it ain't just the coach and his scheme, it's the program itself. And so the, then the question is, if all right, if Brian Kelly didn't have this top 10 recruiting class, which I think LSU should always have, if they didn't have this top 10 transfer portal class, which I think they always have, are they focused? Do they care that much? Lane does. Drinkwitz does right now. Kirby does. Nick Saban does. Why isn't LSU at, at that at that point? And I, I don't know that answer right now. And it's kind of kind of troubling to be honest with you. Yeah. So the speculation on the whole Harbaugh and then and Kelly to Michigan, you think that bears watching? Like, I mean, if Harbaugh does decide to go to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think Harbaugh has gone to the NFL regardless. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, I've said at the beginning of the season when he said he had 22 draft picks, it always kind of felt like, hey, this was the year like YOLO. Like if it ain't right. gonna be this year, it's never gonna be this year. Now, I do think part of the NCAA um, and the Big Ten kind of getting at him has almost like pissed him off enough where like he yeah. took it personally, like, well, maybe I'll just stay here and just kind of upset the whole apple cart, right? Like, um, because I mean, let's be honest with you, Bill Self in Kansas, they looked at that and they're like, we don't care if you've cheated. Like, we're going to sign right. you a lifetime contract. Like, because the NCAA is fangless. They're not going to be able to do anything. So I wonder if that's the kind of similar situation with Harbaugh right now. But if that job becomes available, do I ever think that that Brian Kelly has 
thousand percent become acclimated with Louisiana and, and Baton Rouge and this style of football? I don't know. Because I'll be honest with you. I think Brian Kelly at some point has looked at this and go, man, we've got some pretty good teams. This is a murderer's road down here. Like, I, I, I wanted to compete against the best, and I'm seeing what the best is. And some of these teams that were probably more talented than I've ever had at Notre Dame, if we can only go nine and three, and now we're adding Texas and Oklahoma. I know. I know. Buddy, maybe I don't need to be playing from, yep. the, from the tips anymore. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I'm playing Shoal Creek from 6,600 yards right now, right? Like, I don't need to tip it out like these USM kids that are playing these <laughs> flat bellies. So, um, strike me, and what a crazy run that would be if Harbaugh goes on the 2% chance that Brian Kelly says, hey, I'm going to head out to Michigan, because that'd probably be one of the only jobs he would ever take yeah. um, out, outside of there, or maybe Ohio State if it became available. Where where would LSU go at that point? That's uh, fascinating to me. Yeah, line starts at the door. I mean, it's such a good program. To your point, everybody, let's, you know, let's I'm have some fun. Let's just let's just have some fun. Let's say hypothetically, right? we're talking this crazy world right now. Brian Kelly, Harbaugh goes to the NFL. Brian Kelly's at at Michigan, Louisiana State University, flush off a Heisman Trophy winner, brand, all of everything. Um, I, I mean, why it's not Lane Kiffin, and it pains me to even say that that's the yeah. first name that comes out. I mean, yeah. like that's. I mean, listen, there was there was a lot of interest in in before he took the FAU job. I remember you know hearing the stories of Lane Kiffin like calling Ed Ogeron, going, "I'm going to be your offensive coordinator. Like I'm going to yeah. come down there. We're going to go wreck shop right now." And then he wanted to. He, then Sexton and those guys decided to go the FAU route, which obviously worked probably best for everybody because. He took that role of, hey, kind of, I can show you I can be a head coach again. I got the the, the job at Ole Miss, and then look at the job that he's doing right now. Uh, anytime I'm an athletic director at a school like Alabama or Ole Miss or, 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 or excuse me, Alabama, LSU, somebody like that, I am always going to call Dan Lanning and say, do you like it there? I mean, I, I know you're winning games. You've been in the SEC a lot. Yep. Would you like to try your hand in the SEC? I'm, I'm going to make that phone call. Yeah, I, I I go back and forth with Landing because I kind of want to see what they have when they don't have Bo Nix, and he's had an opportunity to have that and, and some quality players. Like, he he looks that part, yeah. right, um, so far. So I think next year ends up being kind of, you know, a, a huge, a huge thing. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just kind of weird, the vibe around Baton Rouge right now, where it's almost kind of, you know, it's, it's not – it's like stuck in fourth gear – and, and you got other teams that are in six-gear Ferraris, legitimately uh, junior junior college recruits showing up in their Lamborghinis to sign with Ole Miss. Like, and honestly, I I love it. I mean, like, if we live in a world that Jimbo Fisher gets paid seventy-five million dollars not to coach, who the hell am I to get pissed off at some college kids going to show up in a Lamborghini or Ferrari to sign and play football? Yeah. Like, go for it, buddy. I'm, I'm good for you. Weird where we want to draw lines, though. What pisses us off. Uh, he is uh, Peter Burns of the SEC Network and ESPN. The Burnout presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on, make your initial deposit. They match it up to $1,000 at MyBookie.ag. That is when you use code next round. All right, Burns, have a great week, man. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.